From Boise, Idaho and Idaho Education News, this is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at education policy and education politics. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. It goes without saying that there are bigger stories going on on the national stage uh, as we tape this podcast on Friday morning. But we're going to stay in our lane. Our focus, uh, as always, is going to be on Idaho policy and Idaho education. And there's been quite a bit of news there. So plenty of us, uh, plenty for us to get to here uh, on this week's uh, edition. It's It's been a big week <clears throat> as colleges and schools across Idaho continue to na- navigate the coronavirus, to continue to navigate reopening and in-person learning. Kevin, let's start at the higher education level this week. You've been tracking the situation on Idaho's colleges and university campuses, and you've been documenting an increase in cases, and we've seen some concern among public officials and particularly health officials this week. But let's kind of start at the beginning and and give us a sense of what's going on in the college campuses and and what the latest news is this week and where things stand. You know, it feels like to a large degree what we're seeing right now is that the the college campuses and the university campuses are, are becoming a flashpoint in Idaho's coronavirus battle. Uh, we're, we're seeing some pretty sharp increases in coronavirus cases on the campuses. And as you alluded to, and you heard about it and wrote about it this week, Department of Health and Welfare is tracking that we're seeing our most uh, pronounced increases in coronavirus cases in that demographic, that 18 to 29-year-old cohort. So this has become a big deal in, in Idaho's uh, coronavirus story. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm starting to track the numbers across the campuses. We just started doing that uh, in, in the past week or so. And as I'm preparing to run another version of that story, uh, first part of next week, you know, looking at the numbers pretty much across the board, across all of the campuses, you're seeing increases. And some of the campuses are seeing pretty sharp increases. University of Idaho being a, a case in point. On Tuesday, the U of I reported 67 new cases just in that one-week period. And that's an increase from 25 cases the preceding week. Yeah. What the university said was that uh, they don't believe that this is tied to classroom transmissions. They believe that the problem area is Greek row, that uh, the cases are tied to residents uh, living in fraternities or sorority houses on on campus or right off campus. But even even so, the University of Idaho gave uh, faculty the option to move their classes online this week. Uh, If they felt uh, more comfortable doing that, they could do that without any uh, additional uh, review or any additional approval. They, They had the green light to do that if they so chose. U of I isn't the only hot spot uh, in terms of campuses. We've seen BYU-Idaho uh, clear across the state in Rexburg, a private college, um, seeing a big spike in cases, new case numbers continuing to increase on that campus to the point that uh, end of last week, BYU-Idaho officials floated the idea and floated kind of the warning that uh, the campus might need to close, that they might need to move classes online um, really urging uh, students and staff to adhere to local health district guidelines, which include uh, a mask mandate in Madison County. 
those are two of the flashpoints, and it's not unique just to those two campuses. Boise State University continuing to see increases. One thing that jumped out at me, uh, BSU posted a new set of numbers just uh, this morning, just Friday morning, uh, close to 100 new cases just in the past week uh, tied to the campus. Really telling statistic here too, Clark. Uh, Boise State is saying that about half of those 110 isolation rooms that was set aside at the beginning of the year uh, to quarantine students who test positive, about half of those units are now in use. And that number has steadily increased over the course of the fall semester. And we're barely a month into the fall semester. So these trends are not going in the right direction, really, on just about any campus in the state. No, and in, in, in the isolation rooms is something interesting. And obviously, this is a brand new concept this year, something that we didn't have to deal with in the past. But I remember at the end of the summer, uh, right before the beginning of the school year, I want to say President uh, Boise State University President Dr. Marlene Trump was speaking with the State Board of Education, going through the reopening plan and some of their facilities and procedures and talking about <clears throat> the isolation space and the quarantine rooms and saying that, you know, Boise State has ample um, space. We have plenty of plenty of room and you know, it's it's something that we're going to continue to watch, and I know that university will continue to keep an eye on because, as you've said, uh, it's continued to increase. the The usage uh, has gone up, the availability has gone down, and we are, you know, just sitting here, October second, the very beginning of October, and we're still talking about getting geared up um, for football here in in a couple of weeks and some other things on campus. and And meanwhile, the governor and everybody else is warning that. You know, as the weather changes and people are being pushed inside more, they're really concerned about what could happen with the case numbers. Combine that with the traditional flu season. And, and, and you know, the governor's concerned, health and welfare officials are concerned, so much so that when I was on the governor's uh, Tuesday town hall meeting sponsored by AARP Idaho, he does these every two weeks to give kind of an update on Idaho's coronavirus response, really Dave Jepson, uh, health and welfare director, got on and talked about how concerned he was about the number of cases in young adults, like you said, age 18 to 29, and he specifically attributed it, um, some of this rise driving cases to, to people going back to school. He said there were several areas they're concerned about. Um, they're concerned about these communal living centers, uh, whether it's a prison or a jail or a long-term care facility or a nursing home, they're concerned about that. They're concerned. They're really seeing uh, the impact of Labor Day celebrations uh, drive new cases and drive the spread uh, here in Idaho. And they're concerned about young adults uh, going back to campus and socializing and, and gathering. Uh, but they made that point several times um, about you basically sounding the alarm and saying, I know that there's a lot of fatigue, that people are absolutely sick and tired of dealing with this, that it's no fun, that it's a pain in the neck, uh, but we cannot let our guard down uh, because we're seeing case numbers rise across the state in different counties, on colleges and universities, and they're heading into a time period where health officials were already kind of on the alert for what could happen. So, I mean, it's really something that we're going to uh, pay close attention to uh, just as we get into and as we continue to monitor, right, Kevin? Right. And, and if you think about the campuses, you talk about a communal living situation. Yeah. That's 
the essence of a college campus. It's a communal living environment. It's a communal learning environment. I don't think it's coincidental that when we see these numbers spiking, it seems like the highest numbers are uh, involving colleges and universities where you do have a residential component, whether yeah. that's state or University of Idaho or Idaho State University. When I look at the numbers for the uh, the community colleges, uh, College of Western Idaho being a case in point, um, there you have a, a commuter right. community college, no dorms, no residential uh, units, no 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 cafeteria set up, no 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 meal plans, anything like that. It's it's you're seeing very few cases. You're, you're seeing increases. You're seeing. Uh, I think they had maybe three cases this week of incidents where uh, somebody who was coronavirus positive was linked to uh, one of the classroom buildings in Nampa. So that's an increase. But even at that, we're talking about an increase in some very low numbers. Uh, so I don't think that's coincidental. I think the, the communal nature uh, of a college campus is going to contribute to spikes in cases. And that's not just happening in Idaho, that's happening all over the country. And, you know, no matter what kind of precautions you take, no matter what kind of public awareness uh, campaigns you, you try to launch on campuses, you know, urging students and staff to socially distance, to wear masks, you're still putting uh, large numbers of people in a small amount of space. And that space is gonna get, it's gonna feel more small and it's gonna feel more compact as the weather gets cooler and people are spending more time indoors, you know, we're in for a long fall, I'm afraid. I, I think that, uh, you know, looking at where the colleges and universities are right now, uh, a few weeks in, you think about those isolation beds at Boise State that are now half full. If, if you're going to isolate students and you're going to do this uh, according to the health guidelines, you're putting students in isolation for two weeks. Um, right. Yeah. So, so it's not an overnight thing. So the, those students who are in isolation are going to be there for, for a while. So, you know, those those beds are not going to reopen uh, anytime uh, really quickly. So it, it's going to be very, uh, it's going to be very interesting to watch what happens these next few weeks as the weather gets cooler. And, you know, as, you know, students are spending more time indoors, um, you know, it's, it's a long way until the end of the fall semester. Well, absolutely. We're a couple of weeks in, as you said, and I know that the Thanksgiving holiday is, is kind of a, a point in time that... Even most of the colleges are planning to yep. essentially close at Thanksgiving, or at least close the campus component. But you know, we've so got to get through... Students home, have them finish the year, yeah. uh, finish the semester anyway, in a virtual setting. Yeah, Thanksgiving is still seven weeks away. We've I mean, got that's, all that's of October and most of November... Um, to get through and it's a ways away. And it's like we've talked about on the show several times, especially when you talk about a, a four-year university, uh, the residential component of it, uh, the social component of it are such huge parts of that mix um, and have been for generations, for maybe a hundred years. Um, and, and I think we're just seeing the impact of that. Um, but it, we're going to continue to, to monitor it. But at this point, you know, not only is it on the minds of everybody in the college and, and university system from the president's 
on down to the staff and students, but it, it's on the minds of the governor and, and health and welfare uh, officials. But it does seem like these next few weeks, are we always say that, and, and I know it gets tiresome, but these next few weeks are going to be really telling um, just based on what's happened the last few weeks and, and how far we have to go. And, and the fact that students are still living on campus and they're still attending uh, courses in person at many of these uh, institutions and, and we're gearing up for football in three weeks. There's just so much going on that we're really going to have to keep a, a close eye on it um, going forward, I know. When you think about all of the components that uh, Governor Little has talked about for weeks and all of the components that he points to, and he's not alone, health, health officials and health experts have been doing this uh, uh, for for weeks, pointing to Schools going back into session, whether we're talking about K-12 or higher education, when we're talking about cooler weather is going to you know, move people inside. You're not going to have as many outdoor functions and people are going to be in closer, you know, closer, tighter circles, uh, both you know, work-wise and you know, in terms of social settings. And you think about the onset of flu season. You think about all of those components. That's why uh, health officials have been so concerned about where this is heading in the fall, how this is going to play out in the fall. Uh, we're starting to see maybe just the beginning of, of uh, how this might unfold uh, on the college and university campuses. And if you look at those numbers, they are uh, they are a bit alarming and they are a bit worrisome. So, you know, this is what we'll be watching. Yeah. And we haven't seen, you know, a plateau yet. We haven't seen like the high water mark and then leveling off from there. So as, as best we can tell, and I know, Kevin, you're tracking the numbers every Friday and we'll have an update today. You'll have more updates next week, but it does appear that it's still on the rise as opposed to having reached the high water mark and, and leveling off. Well, at this point, let's shift back to K-12 and let's uh, start by talking about some news uh, from the governor on Thursday. You were there for his uh, uh, bi-weekly uh, news conference, Clark. So what was the takeaway? Well, I, the governor actually made... Um, Quite a bit of news this week. On, on at Thursday's coronavirus press conference, he actually announced a new rapid testing program that he's going to be prioritizing for Idaho's K-12 school system. And basically the nuts and bolts of it, Governor Little announced that the Trump administration is making 100 million rapid antigen tests available uh, to U.S. governors. And the first shipment of of these tests arrived in Idaho yesterday, uh, Thursday, October 1st. There were 35,000 of them. Governor Little said he's prioritizing those for testing uh, at schools across Idaho. And the governor said, quote, this will be a game changer for schools. This new rapid testing will quickly determine who has and who does not have COVID-19 so teachers and students can get back in their classrooms instead of quarantining end quote. It, it's a brand new program. The first batch of tests just arrived in Idaho, and it's 35,000 of them. The state does expect 530,000 additional tests over the next three months, which will also be prioritized for school. We're still learning a little bit about exactly how it's going to work, but I think what the state is doing is distributing it, distributing the tests to the seven public health districts that are scattered regionally throughout the state of Idaho. Those health districts are already working with school officials to advise them on their reopening plans and their weekly risk classifications. And so it sounds like at least initially the tests will go to the public health districts and they will work with schools to get those out. 
Uh, I talked to Dr. Christine Hahn, the state epidemiologist, about this. She said it's actually going to be prioritized to test uh, teachers and staff members. And she said the reason there is we want to keep our schools open. And if they don't have their teachers and staff in place, they can't keep the buildings open. And so it sounds like initially uh, the priority will be for teachers and for staff members. The governor said it's a rapid antigen test. Uh, it takes about 15 minutes to deliver results. The governor said that the results are accurate more than 95% of the time. And he said it's a, a little bit less invasive nasal swab than those earlier tests. You may have seen those on TV, um, but he said it's a little bit less invasive, quick turnaround, and, and they're going to be prioritized for school. And so how quickly will they get to schools? They're being sent out this week. They could arrive next week. But Dr. Han did say there's going to be just a little bit of training uh, for how to do the testing and how to administer it and, and develop the plans and protocols. And, and so I, I know it's on the way. I know more will be available over the next three months. But testing is something that the governor has talked about as part of his strategy uh, to slow the spread of the coronavirus. And, and now we do, it appears, have an influx of tests that will be made available from the federal government and will be making their ways to schools, Kevin. Those are some big numbers yeah. when, you, when you think about it. I mean, just the 35,000 tests that we're talking about administering maybe uh, next week. You know, Idaho has never reported more than, I want to say, about 22,000 tests per week. And that was at the peak of testing back in uh, the early part of the summer uh, in, in July. Those numbers have tailed off. I, I've written about that. We've talked about this uh, uh, on the podcast uh, the past couple of weeks. 35,000 tests, is uh, that's a lot, yeah. uh, especially if you're going to focus it in on uh, the schools and focus it in on teachers and staff. And, and as I listen to the governor and as I listen to uh, Dr. Hahn talk about focusing in on uh, on teachers and staff, I, I find myself going back to last week's show and I go and the news from last week and what we saw happen with the Middleton School District and the, the employee who uh, who passed away uh, from COVID-19. Part of that story that I don't think we, uh, you know, maybe didn't pay as much attention to because of just the, the tragic nature of having an employee pass away. You know, one of the trustees uh, last week talked about how about 25% of the staff in Middleton is in a risk category uh, for contracting yeah. COVID-19. And, and I can't imagine that Middleton is an outlier here. I've, I've got to imagine that if you talk to administrators and trustees around the state, you probably hear a, a fairly similar story in a lot of communities where you know, a large number of teachers or employees are, are older. Maybe they have a, a pre-existing health uh, health issue that makes them more susceptible to COVID-19. Exactly. So, you know, isolating these tests on teachers and staff, I mean, you can understand the logic of it. You know, I, I know we're not testing students at that point, and I know that people may have questions about that. About 10% of our, our cases right now are involving kids, uh, involving kids under the age of 18. We also know at this point, statistically speaking, and this isn't just in Idaho, but this is uh, really all over the world, that for some reason, you know, kids and young people are less likely to 
to pass away from COVID-19. The death rates for, for kids much lower than it is for, for adults and then definitely for senior citizens. So the idea of focusing in on testing teachers and staff and trying to get a handle on uh, how they're doing and whether they're positive, it makes a lot of sense. And, and I can understand that how, you know, how Dr. Hahn is talking about how this is essential to trying to keep schools open. If you can get rapid response and get rapid test results and, and know if, uh, if teachers or, or staff are, are are testing positive and then are contagious and you know apt to spread the the virus. So yeah, this this does you know the game changer word gets thrown around so much that it becomes such a cliche. But in this case, I think it really actually does apply. I think it's a I think that's fair. It, it, it is big news. Uh, we'll see exactly what the plan is that public health officials come up with for deployment, but it does appear, just running the numbers, we have about 20,000 teachers in the state of Idaho. I'm not exactly sure the current count of staff members, but if we're talking you know, 530,000 tests over the next three months, that could obviously be multiple rounds of testing. But I think one of the things that Dr. Hahn talked about at the press conference is you know, initially these tests could be available for maybe people who have been exposed. And so rather having rather than having a situation where you've got 15 staff members that have to quarantine uh, for 10 days or two weeks, uh, they could get they could get this test and in 15 minutes know if they have or do not have uh, COVID-19. Also for people who uh, are symptomatic, uh, and, and okay, you know, is, is this the flu? Is this a cold? Is this allergies? Or is it coronavirus? And so you can see some of the different possibilities about how this would be used. But I, I just think the information and that quick a turnaround time is going to be more powerful than what we've seen before, because we've all seen anecdotally or heard, whether it was a friend or a, a news report published, oh, I got tested and I'm waiting several days to get my results back from the lab. I'm hoping to get a phone call. and But it sounds like this is something that you do without a machine. And 15 minutes later, uh, you have results that the governor is saying are more than 95% accurate. That's how it was described to us with the rollout yesterday. Yeah, the rapid response is such a big deal here because, you know, as I've been writing about testing and testing trends over the past uh, few months, you know, when when I talked to Dr. Hahn a couple of weeks ago about those testing trends and how the state was receiving more test results back in July and in August, she was very quick to point out that, well, yes, uh, the state was receiving more test results, but it was taking days. Yeah. So you know, a week or more to get test results. And you think about a, a fluid environment like a school or a long-term care facility or, or, or a jail or prison where the virus can spread so quickly, waiting a week for test results really re it renders those test results basically useless because so much can happen while you're waiting on those results. And, and if you're trying to be precautionary while you're waiting for test results, are you isolating? Are you self-quarantining? Are you, you know, getting these rapid results, maybe even more important than getting, you know, just a sheer number of new results. So we'll wait and see how this thing plays out, but uh, this could be a significant development as uh, schools try to, uh, to stay open, uh, try to navigate this, uh, this pandemic 
which we know uh, could be a, a more difficult pandemic to get through as the weather gets colder. Yeah, absolutely. We'll keep an eye on it. We'll follow up on the testing. And I think one thing, Kevin, that you've talked about before or reported over the summer is the governor had some advice on testing thresholds that the state should be reaching, uh, basically from a coronavirus task force. Uh, but it, the, the state was not reaching that level of testing, right? Do you, do yeah, you not, feel not comfortable talking about that for just a second? Not even close. I mean, the numbers that came from the governor's own you know, testing task force, uh, 37,000 tests uh, a week, just at the outset, and growing off of that to potentially getting to 150,000 tests per week. We're, we're not even close. We've never been anywhere um, near. We haven't even you know, you know, come within, you know, we haven't come close to the 37,000 figure. So these rapid test results, these rapid tests could uh, could change the, the equation quite a bit. And we'll watch and see how it plays out and whether it uh, provides some data to the, the schools and data to school administrators that they can use to uh, inform their opening and reopening decisions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's something that we'll continue to monitor. If you want a little bit more detail uh, about the tests or about the rollout or about what they're saying, uh, head over to the homepage at www.idahoednews.org. You can get caught up on the testing story. You can get caught up on uh, the trend pieces, looking at what's happening on the college's and university campuses like we talked about at the top of the show. As always, I mean, it always feels like there's so much going on, but we did have a big week with a lot of news. I wanted to highlight a couple of things, uh, but Sammy Edge, uh, our reporter Sammy Edge, had an interesting story talking about some young students who were meeting uh, with State Board of Education officials and having a conversation around mental health. And we keep, we, we keep hearing that. It's been an area of focus um, the last couple of years, we, we talked about students' social-emotional needs and learning uh, during the last legislative session, and we're hearing uh, about mental health and how that's been affected during the pandemic. But I thought that that was an interesting story, um, Kevin, where, where Sammy uh, got in touch with some students who had been meeting with the state board, basically. Right. And, you know, again, as you say, the, the mental health aspect of this uh, pandemic and the, the closures... Um, it, we can't overstate the importance of that. So a really important story there. Um, other news this week, uh, Idaho named a new uh, Teacher of the Year. Uh, Sammy also had the story about uh, about him. You can uh, check out our website and get to know him. Yep, absolutely. Uh, we continue to post updates each and every day uh, about the latest with this intersection of policy and politics, and it always keeps us busy. Uh, but thanks so much for for joining us, for checking out the homepage, for spending time with us and, and trusting us. I know that it's a, a, a difficult time and I know it's uh, a, a lot going on, uh, but we're trying to kind of keep an eye on, you know, how, the latest and how it's affecting our schools and, and what's happening. And so thanks so much for, for spending time uh, with us. But as always, we have a lot of fun on the Extra Credit Podcast. And I'm Clark. I'm Kevin. Uh this is the point where I always tell you to stay safe and have a good week. And I'll throw in one other thing. I, I did it. You can do it too. I, I got a flu shot for the first time in decades. I can't remember the last time I did this. It only takes a minute. It doesn't even hurt. And it's probably one of the, the one things, one of the things we can do heading into the fall. So please do that. 
Please stay safe and have a good week. Absolutely. That's a great reminder about the flu shot. I will be getting one myself soon. And I'm excited about the weather. This might be one of the last awesome weekends uh, with warm summer type weather. Uh, so depending on where you are in Idaho, I hope that you're able to have a nice weekend. Maybe get outdoors, um, do some social distance activities and enjoy it uh, while the weather is still good. Because this weekend uh, does look like a gem in many parts of the state, depending on where you live. But as always, thanks so much. Have a great weekend.